You're listening to The Real King with Joe and Heidi King. Today, we are joined again by Pastor Tim King. He is an expert in the area of baptism, and he was gracious enough to give us a few hours of his time for us to pick his brain. This is the first part of that conversation, so we hope you get a ton out of it. Dad, do you, do you know what you just reminded me of? No, but I just don't know if I want to hear it. <laughs> do you remember when my car broke down? And Dad gives me too much credit that I'm going to be able to like get it together when it, there's a moment of like pressure and panic. <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely cannot. <laughs> I've said repeatedly, like, I can't play team sports because, like, I'll poop my pants between first and second base. And (laughs) because I I will panic every time I can't deliver, okay? So my car breaks down in the middle of, like, one of the busiest intersections in Eau Claire. (laughs) These two. Somebody's got the joy of the Lord today. And dad is like behind me and he goes, okay, we need to just put the car in neutral. It was right in front of a Taco Bell. And he goes, speaking of pooping your pants, it's right in front of Taco Bell. And there was brand new construction because there's a bank there now. It was being built. And he's like, put the car in neutral and then we'll push it. And we'll get it out of the intersection because it was like, there was people like hanging out their windows, like, come on, you know, like right. it was busiest like, intersection it was so too. busy. And he's like, we just have to push, push it into the, parking, the parking lot. lot of Taco Bell. And I was like, okay, <laughs> absolutely. Let's do that. We can do that. That parking lot to get in has like the steepest grade. So we do exactly that. And like, we get it turned and we're pushing it and we push so hard we get it up over the bump to get into the <laughs> into the driveway and i let go and dad's like get in the car and hit the brake and i was like what and he's like you got to get in and hit the brake and then immediately it like t-bones a parked car we just like wound it up and sent it on its way (laughs) like literally (laughs) gave it a good push to see where it ends up and then this lady it hits a blazer yeah hard right in the driver's door and then this lady and her husband were getting out of their car to go in to get food and she locked eyes with me and she literally raced me into the building and she was like, they hit your car. They hit your car. Oh, like. And I was like, will you shut up? I'm already telling them. You know what's funny? It's those people that they probably did like a hit run before where they are like Literally. convinced that you're going right? to. Yeah. The so then. One, the only one that was calm out of the whole thing was the owner of the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the people that worked with her. The manager. Where it's like, you better call the police. You better get a lawyer. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was standing next to the girl and the, the manager of the place, who, you know, you know the food service manager you know the type a couple she's got keys around both arms for some reason <laughs> yeah on the little slinky yeah band yeah like where are where are you using a, what are you a janitor where'd you get all those keys and what are yeah. they even for one's one's for she the walks paper. in with her they always have their personal keys on a lanyard mm. and then they have like a, a hair tie of keys up around their 
bicep. <laughs> See, I would want to be. I want to. Yeah. I, I want to be keyless. Oh, so you are when keyless. When I'm walking entry. around, nobody can hear me coming. She gets in the girl's face, and I'm standing next to her, and she goes, "Don't talk to her at all. Don't say a word. Just start taking pictures." Oh my goodness! I was like, I'm not like I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, like I'm standing right here. First of all, I, my car is right here. It's broken. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> like, want to give so me a ride? Stupid. But dad felt so bad that I'm an idiot <clears throat> that he he helped pay for my car to be fixed. Can you imagine? I was like, you want me to jump in the, the, the amount of thoughts in my head? Dad. In a moving car. This car, I was like, it's going to hit me. <laughs> it's going to run me over. Every time I get in and out of a car, it takes thought. <laughs> Was it the Lincoln? Hundred percent, it was the Lincoln. So, did you have a lot of damage to the Lincoln? No. Okay, so that Lincoln was Lincoln's Audis. They're all built like tanks, and That's... when they hit other vehicles, they yeah. just like crumble them. We got an accident in a parking lot with my Cavalier. That was a Volvo. Oh, also Volvo. built like also, a tank. Yeah. They were literally backing up, and we were going forward, and it was icy, so we couldn't stop. It like completely took out the entire front end of my cab, and nothing even happened to the back end of that. They're Volvo. like, "Okay, bye," and you're like, "You have a it was crazy. crushed pop can as a car." Serious? Like some of these cars are very well built. I don't even like that Taco Bell anymore. No, no one does. It's never open. Yeah. Like they always have a sign that says Taco. we're never open. Yeah, it's too bad. One time I also broke down at a busy intersection and I was wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> that wasn't busy at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was Eddie Lane and 53. And you will immediately feel if you're wearing something that you're not quite sure of, like it's a statement piece and you and your car breaks down. And by breakdown, I mean, I ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will make you feel more immediately and thoroughly stupid in your statement piece. You're like, why did I wear these red cowboy boots today? <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and you're like, do I have flip flops in my back seat? I can't walk to the gas station like this. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in and I just have a band around my hair where my hat was. I'm like, anybody got a gas can? It's so like stupid. not even close to country jam. <laughs> no. Like it was like April. In in Eau Claire and Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, you hit July and you have a couple of weeks where everybody's wearing co cowboy boots and cowboy hats. Whether it's they like should okay. be or not, yeah. they are. The only thing that could have made that worse is if you're at shorty shorts on. Yeah, yeah. thank God I've never been in a shorter sh short. <laughs> I've short never been in a shorter shorts I can't even before. say them. I can't even say it. Some good church today. We're recording on a Sunday. Yeah, That's we never record on a Sunday. I was talking to somebody recently about people that left the church years ago. Oh, you're gossiping. <laughs> Real nice, Joe. Maybe a little. We're all guilty. Yeah. No, we were talking about how um, people, some of which were like 80s, 90s. Um, so I'd been in a couple conversations with people that have not attended church in years. And the conversation, do do? I don't know. They just, 
I don't know. They they've they've taken on like a um how like some sort of a theology in their own mind that they they can be the church without going to church. Mm. And um they don't fellowship anybody yeah, it's called that, the voice of the devil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't fellowship anybody that goes to church, but in, it was a family <laughs> member. So I was having a conversation, and it was very quickly I could tell that it was almost like they're on pause spiritually right where they left. Mm. So if, it, if that was 1989, whatever was going on then, mm-hmm. you know, they brought up ministries that don't even exist anymore. Some of these people are in heaven and like, they're like, Oh, that's yeah, this happened. And I know how this is because of this guy. And it's like, God has done so much since then. We're so far away from like, that's not relevant um, to what's going on because there's been multiple generations of believers since that time. And since those events, so it's really interesting. Don't you feel like there's been multiple evolutions of even our own church in the last five years? Absolutely. Sometimes people want so badly to see uh, lost sheep come back. And how do we do that if we don't understand where they're at and why they're there? So for me, when I get in a conversation with somebody like that, I start looking for what what event happened that they that they decided that um the world had more to offer you know mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to me when you get in a conversation like that particular one um the spouse no longer wanted anything to do with it um they tend not regularly but sometimes at a place alone and it was a conversation about that too. And it's like, man, you, I don't know. It'd be like having a, a secret relationship with the Lord. Every time I hear people talk about their experience with church and Christianity, and it's like a list of grievances to me, mm. it just shows that they didn't get to know Jesus. They got to say. know church culture. Yeah. yeah. That's why you have so many people deconstructing right now and saying they like look back and they're like, Oh, but all the years I volunteered and like all these like weird things. Yeah. And they're like hurt and angry about it. Okay. Well, I think, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was just going to say to me, that's like, but where's Jesus and all that? You didn't get to know him. Yeah, and do do everything is unto the Lord. Even your your worldly job where you, mm-hmm. you know, where, if you read scripture, it even talks about slaves obeying their masters and do the work as unto the Lord. You know, and the, you're talking about somebody that's not respected, not paid. Um, they're there because they've been purchased, mm-hmm. you know. They are nothing more than labor. Right. And they're to to honor, respect, and serve as if they're serving the Lord. I feel like if people haven't gone to church in a long time, like you're describing, they should probably try it again. They should. I was going to say, you should technically treat them like prodigals. Yeah. Yep. I heard a guy telling a story one time. It was a pastor that he went out of 
tour to Israel. And they were in a bus, and they were going along, and they looked over, and uh, a guy was herding a load, a bunch of sheep down the street. And went up quick and asked him to stop the bus. And when, by then, they were already past him, so the guy was driving the sheep up that point. He got out, and he said, I want to ask you a question. He said, I've always heard my whole life that a shepherd leads the sheep. And he said, you're behind them. He said, don't you have to lead them? He said, I'm not the, I'm not the shepherd. He said, I'm the butcher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so when you're talking about somebody's sheep, they already went to the butcher maybe, and uh, they're not coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary thought. You really want to see people finish well. Um, my heart is for people. So when I... When I have those conversations or I see people that have that list of grievances, you know, I'd like to see them get free from those things and and have a, a personal relationship with God. A lot of it is pretext because mm-hmm. they don't want to change their lifestyle. It's a lot. Some people treat their relationship with God and church like a like a loveless marriage where it's like everything that the world does is attractive and everything that the church does now is a turn off like yeah like this doesn't it's not working for me anymore Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. isn't for me anymore and so they have they have confirmation bias in everything that they're looking for yeah i just had a conversation with somebody about they said oh you should contact this person and um, minister to them. And I felt immediately like Holy Spirit was like, you can't go there. They have to come out. Because they're staying there. They're looking for help there where they're at, where they're being unsuccessful. If you go there and you minister to them there, it'll give them a little bit of peace and a little bit of confidence and they'll stay there. Mm-hmm. So I had to explain to this person, like, I don't, I don't feel like God wants us to go there but wants them to come out. Mm-hmm. So the the right way to meet that person's knees needs knees their, yeah, needs, their knees is to to keep inviting them out of that situation. Because mm-hmm. if they if they're asking you for help and what you're doing looks like it's working, it's because you're a part of a yeah. body somewhere. You're functioning. So to keep inviting them out of their situation, like, hey, the reason why I have this this amount of success is because of where am I at and what I'm doing there. Mm-hmm. So we were actually going to jump in because we have That's like Pastor Tim. From where you are right Yeah, now. <laughs> because we have Pastor Tim as a guest today. Um, we were just... Uh, two weeks ago talking about baptism and then we were also talking about um, this is a place where he's got uh, quite a um, he's an expert well he's an expert and he's got um, quite a burden for mm-hmm. people to do it and understand the severity of and, and the reality of what they're doing in that covenant relationship mm-hmm. I've been baptized three times. Yep. 
So, so we is w- Heidi. We went through those accounts yep. and where we were spiritually and why. You were baptized once as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I did um, have a very good understanding of what I was doing. You so. did not, or you did? I did. Yeah. So we mentioned when we, we were talking, because we talked about Max and his baptism, and you do the class. Correct. What What do you, what's the number one thing that people are surprised by when they come into it? Because it's adults. Or teenagers and adults, right? Correct. <clears throat> What's um, most surprising to people once they've gone through it? Well, that's a, really a tough question right there because they all get a different point of it. But um, I'll use a, a, a one person in particular. She was in her 70s mm-hmm. when we did this, and she claims she's been to church every Sunday her whole life. So she was baptized as a baby? Correct. Yeah. And when she was in her 70s when she's doing this class, and she repeatedly every week would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Two or three, four times throughout the study, she would say, I never heard any, any of this in my life. And it's all Bible. We're reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's claiming is as we read the Bible, she never heard of that, yet she went to church every Sunday her whole life and never heard any of it. And I said, that's because they don't preach it. They they preach a doctrine of their organization mm-hmm. that you want. they want you to know. They don't want you to know the Word of God because they already got a program. Mm-hmm. But repeatedly she did that. And there there's several emphasized areas where people should know you know because it's the purpose and the will of god where do you start people out typically um the very first scripture i take them to is in matthew and you know if somebody wanted to pull it up they could read it right now pull it up joe but you'd have to pull it up in the king james not i don't want to vary from that because that's where they have to start you're you're a stickler for King James. I am. Yeah. And because there's too many Bibles that take things out or reword them to be uh, secret friendly. Yeah. Versus. It waters it down. Yes, and you know that's that can be proven just by getting uh, the um, what am I thinking of the uh, Strong's Concordance. Mm-hmm. In the back of it, it gives you a. Uh, a graph of uh, different Bibles that are printed, and then uh, they'll take major scriptures that are important and put them across, and then it'll show you which Bibles either totally uh, take the scripture out or they reword it to make it sound better for themselves. Do you know what's kind of funny is that today Dad had me do reading in church, <laughs> and there was a scripture that I read, and I read all of the words. And then he continued on with his message. And I literally raised my hand again and I said, can I please read the New King James? Because I didn't understand a word of that. (laughs) It was like, willest, cometh, thou. Yeah. I was lost, but we got there. (laughs) Yeah, and when you you look at um, the references of Bibles that have removed scripture, Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've done a study on that. Uh, and typically, 
the two the two main uh, areas. Yeah, the two main focus <laughs> points that I I seen that they use for doing that is like the Kodak uh, Kodak Cinecanus, which is like the uh, it's a Greek. Sounds Greek. Yeah, it's a it's a Greek reference. Um, there was like a whole thing where they removed certain scriptures because those texts were found in in like a monastery where they were burning pages out of that Bible oh, to yeah. keep the fire going. And so, because you know, in that fourth century text or whatever, they they've seen that the scripture was missing or those those chapters were missing. They wanted to remove it or put it in that may or n- may not be. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's the Codex Sinecanus or uh, Vaticanus, which was like a, uh, it, it was actually a Catholic mm-hmm. version. But that that's different because that those things were removed because it would be, um, it would be very different. Like uh, those would be scriptures that they would think only people in clergy mm. would would have authority in. So then they remove them from the, the text. So um, there are um, there are good versions of the Bible that that run along, but they do have when you when you translate, even though they basically say the same thing, because we're the bride of Christ and we take a, a feminine stance in the relationship as human beings. A submissive one. Right. So you always want the the strongest version. The when when you read the scripture, you don't want to water it down. Mm-hmm. So if you if you give um the scripture a weak delivery through through the wording, um people won't realize just how serious that inspired word is when they mm-hmm. take the verse. So if you take something and instead of saying God hates marital violence um, and say God's displeased with marital violence, there's a huge difference between hatred and displeasure, right? Yeah. So some of those contexts or those references in Scripture, if, if, they, if they make the delivery weaker, mm-hmm. it takes the emphasis off of where God wanted it to be. It's inspired by him, and he, he's a strong God. Mm-hmm. He's the only God. So if you want to go ahead and read that, Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing <coughs> of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said, saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one at thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism (laughs) that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand, 
and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Okay. Now, the, the thing, the reason I start there is because of the fact that he's asking those two, the, the question, can you drink from the cup that I drink from, and can you be baptized in the baptism I'm baptized with? The reason I start there is because it's Jesus asking that question. So if anybody's going to take a personal application to the Bible, you have to acknowledge he's asking you that same thing. Everybody. They get asked that same question if they're reading the Bible, his word, and they're wanting that covenant with him. You have to acknowledge that you're being asked that question. And any time the Bible talks in, in a reference of a cup, it's talking about something to do with your destiny. And his destiny was to die for humanity. And God, we know that because he went to the garden and he was praying. And uh, he said to the father, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but thy will. So his cup was going unto death at the cross. So he's put that question to every one of us. And then he said, can you be baptized in the baptism I'm baptized with? And then if you go to the story where he's standing before John getting baptized, John insisted that he shouldn't baptize him, but it should be the other way around. Yeah. And Jesus said to him, John, we have to do this because we have to fulfill all righteousness. In order to fulfill righteousness you have to do exactly like Jesus did because he was in the flesh he had to be baptized and the Bible very clearly tells us he was died to the flesh the power and the draw of the flesh and the sins of the world that's what he died to so he asked that, that question of everybody can you do that can you crucify the flesh like I had to do it and can you drink of the cup that comes before you? You know, and it talks to your destiny. So I start there because where else do you go if you don't accept that? Right. He's asking everybody that question. You can't just take that out of the Bible, which but people did. And that's why we were sitting at a study one night, and there was a couple across the table from us. And when I brought that scripture up, a lady spoke up and she said, that's not in my Bible. And I said, what are you reading? And she told me the type of Bible she was reading. Yeah. Her husband sat next to her, and he said, it's not in mine either. He said, I said, are you reading the same Bible she's reading? No, I got a different one. Mm -hmm. So he really told me what the type of Bible was that he was reading. And I had been told that he was, a, a, I believe, a Sunday school teacher or something like that for many, many years in church. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, doesn't that bother you? that you're reading a Bible that something's been taken out of, yeah. and you're supposed to be a man of teaching the Word for many years, they got angry and never come back. Yeah. And that was the very first night of the Bible study, and they never came back again. They were so angry about it. But that's why I start there, because that question should be in there, and it's taken out, and everybody should have to acknowledge it and answer the question. Yeah. Am I ready to drink them from the cup that God passes to me? And am I, am I ready to die to the flesh? And that's why I coupled it together with Jesus' baptism, because he had to make that decision too. But he had to defend it before John. He said, we have to fulfill all righteousness. Well, it was at that point when 
when John, who was born filled with the Holy Spirit, correct, baptized Jesus, that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and Jesus then was filled with the Holy Spirit, came right. and rested upon him. So I think that's a good indication, too, for being that we serve a God of order, that we should seek that baptism right after the water baptism or at the same time, because Jesus got it at the same time. Yeah. Well, another thing, when you go back to the reading, the uh, the passages about Jesus' baptism and, and um, John's story, because that comes first. And, and when John was uh, born, God baptized his uh, mother and him at the same time with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's what the scripture says. Yeah. A lot of people, people don't realize that. So what happens if they don't actually read the Bible for what it's saying? They get into disputes. They get into arguments. And yeah. they make up um, decisions of when they receive the Holy Spirit. You know, some people will say they received it when they repented of their sins. Other people declare that they received <laughs> the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they got baptized in water. And there's all kinds of ideas. But how many of them line up with the Word itself? The Word if you read it carefully, John kept repeating one thing for sure, and that was that there's one coming after me that will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Mm -hmm. He didn't have nothing to do with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he made it very clear. So when people get the idea that they get the Holy Spirit just at a whim, you know, that somebody told them they were saved and they got the Holy Spirit, that's not biblically true. And that's why I'm so careful to make sure that they understand that truth when we're doing the study. And the other thing is that nowhere in the book of Acts does it differ from that truth. When somebody got baptized in water, mm -hmm. they got baptized in water for the remission of their sins. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a good thing if you just looked up remit and, remish, and remission, those two words, so that you can clarify it right here for people. And John took care of that part, making straight the way for Christ to come. And that, that baptism has to be taken care of. But the baptism of the Spirit, that was a completely different baptism. And John tried to clarify that at all times. So um, when people get any other idea, they can't get it from the Bible. They have to get it from somebody passing it down that didn't know what they were saying. So that sh that's got to be clarified all the time. To relax as intensity, to make less tense or violent. Uh, so willingly doth God remit his ire. To forgive, to surrender the right of punishing a crime as to remit punishment, to pardon as a fault or crime. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted <coughs> to them, John twenty twenty three says. It's like a cancellation. Like to you, give up or to resign. Correct. If you remit someone's debt, you forgive it, you cancel it. And then what's remission? So they, it's it's getting rid of the the penalty for people. You know, when, once they bury their sins, they're not going to have to pay a penalty for them. Yeah. So we get baptized for the remission of our sins to just annihilate them and get them out of the way between us and God. Uh -huh. And that's why we start out in Matthew, you know, at where Jesus is asking that question. And I tell people sitting at the table, I said, no, this is the question that you have to answer. Can you drink of the cup that he would pass to you? Uh -huh. 
And when I when I tell that to people, I I use an example. You know, it might not be the best one, but it's the best one I have. <clears throat> and I was working at a job, and um, I was told by God that I had quit that job because there was an individual that I had been sharing Christ with, and he's living his life to destroy me. He couldn't get his mind off me for 24 hours a day. He lived and breathed to prove me wrong. And it, it got so out of control that you know, he never could stop. And then God spoke to me one day and said I had to quit my job because his eyes were on me instead of him. He said, you have to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I had to give a two-week notice and walk off my job. I had beautiful wages. I had benefits, you know, health insurance, dental insurance, optical insurance, everything that you could possibly want. I had good vacations. Um, and I went home. I told my wife. I said, God told me I have to quit my job for the sake of this person getting saved. And she looked totally shocked, but she said, well, you better do what you're supposed to do. And uh, I went in and gave the notice, and I quit. Yeah. It was a one year later. One year later, and I, for seven years, I tried to minister to him. So one year later, I met him on a highway, and he was flagging me down. And I stopped and waited for him. He come back over a hill, pulled over, and long story short, he just bust out crying hard, and uh, he embraced me. And he kept saying, I know him like you know him. I know him like you know him. Wow. I was in the truck with you, and I remember because— you jumped out of the driver's side and ran back, and he ran up the passenger side, and he was climbed up the side of the truck all cry-eyed and freaked me right out because I didn't know who he was. It was a semi-truck. Yeah, it was a semi, yep. So, you know, we got in the truck together, and he told me the story about, you know, life just caved in on him in every direction. You know, I can't even go into the list of problems that he had, but it affected his wife, both of his kids and himself, severe things going on. He went into the basement by himself, and he was sitting there reading the Bible. He got into Acts chapter 2, and he was reading it, and he said he looked up to the Lord and said, is this what you want me to have, what he kept telling me about? And he was talking about me. Yeah. And then I had a vision of him when I first got saved myself. And right after I got saved, and I seen him on his knees, hands lifted up and a beam of light over him, and he was being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Mm. And I never shared that with anybody but my wife. Nobody else knew it. Yeah. So when he's giving me his testimony, he's telling me he dropped on his knees in his basement, lifted his hands up, and he said, it's like lightning coming out of heaven. He said, it hit me. And he said, I started praying in tongues. Wow. And, man, I thought... Eight years. Yeah. And the full detail of that just came out. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it was a beautiful moment. But, you know, when you look at the Bible and you see the truth of it, and the Bible says it's impossible to please God without walking in faith. Mm-hmm. And you have to have faith in every word God says. He says you can't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. And if God said something, I don't try to fight to find a reason around it to excuse it, to take it out. Yeah. I just want to walk in it. Yeah. So that's where it begins is getting people to acknowledge that Jesus is asking them that question. If you can if you can bring yourself to do this. Yeah. And you know, either you're gonna <laughs> say yes or you're gonna deny it and walk away from it. And it's so huge too because a lot of the times like when people like come are coming out of sin, 
if they can't get that revelation before they go into that water, they still think that sin's there when they come back up. And they hold on to that. Like, there's people that probably think, like, I can't ever get out of the bar scene. Or I can't ever have enough self-control or, you know, my own will to stop smoking. Like, you still continue to believe that lie. If you can't get that revelation that what you're about to do is drink that cup and you can crucify the flesh. Mm -hmm. Like, you can crucify that flesh. And, like, in those situations, it just, they... They have this block where they think, like, I can't ever stop chewing, or I can't ever stop smoking, or I can't ever stop drinking, because there's that block there that's telling them, yeah, you can't. But really, we have the ability to crucify the flesh, because if you can have the ability, because I, I, I don't know if you guys seen this, but have you seen it where you'll see, like, this very fit person in a grocery store, and they are buying, like, very healthy, you know, fruits and vegetables and, and all this kind of stuff. But then they have a whole bunch of booze and a whole bunch of cigarettes. And like in my brain, I was like, so you have enough willpower to be able to successfully control your diet or to successfully, you know, work out at a gym or do all that stuff. But people will then get convinced. Sorry. <laughs> You're snoring, Carlos. Carlos, you're snoring so loud. He's like, that's impossible. He I'm wide awake. He didn't even know. Welcome to my world. So far we had a, hmm. <laughs> this is the problem with, this is the problem with Sunday afternoon. We Sabbath hard. We Sabbath hard in this house. Yeah, we are interrupting their Sabbath right now. That's so funny. <laughs> He's like comes to like, oh my god, I cannot mom's, believe mom's out. She of it. literally like opens her eyes, rolls them, looks over, looks away, and nods back. <laughs> Poor guy. Like, He's like, let me get a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> Poor guy. Hey, All right, sorry. So you want you want to hear something fun? Just a little fun fact, right? So I love prophecy. I love the act of uh, prophesying in a sense of like what we're talking about in church today, where we speak of life over ourselves. I'm not talking about prophecy in, in the, in the office of a prophet where you're talking about um, the, like the, you have the word of knowledge, which God instills knowledge in you in a moment right now for a right now word with this situation where you're praying for that man God tells you to leave your job. You have to go home and tell your wife. And at that point, you had three boys at home. Now you go home and you tell her, honey, I'm going to leave my job. She has to navigate the thought process of being a stay-at-home mom with three boys, wanting to get out of the house you're living in to buy a house. Um, now she navigates that. God gives her confirmation now she comes beside you in prayer um you guys pray you leave the job god provides when heidi and i do prophetic dream interpretations um when when um when we look at biblical reference to numbers it was eight years from the moment god gave you that vision to the time that you got to see the fruition of it or the fruit the number eight biblically um, it always references new beginnings or teachers. Hmm. So by the time that God manifested that miracle, everybody wants God to do everything instantaneous. 
Yeah. There's no discipline in that. That's just God doing something for you. And he wants us to be stewards of, of the authority that he gives us. So I thought that was very interesting that when this gentleman came to the Lord and had this experience, one, it was eight years, which meant that God had him at a, a place of new beginnings. And then two, the one person he couldn't wait to tell was the one person he was trying to discredit for years. Well, I'm going to explain why. He'd been to several people before me, pastors, teachers, and all of them told the same thing. You're, all your sins are forgiven. They're out of the picture. You never have to look back at them. And he came to me because he said, I couldn't receive that word until I came to you because he said, I tried to destroy you. And he said, I have to have your forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't accept that until he came to me and he had to satisfy God by asking my forgiveness for what he did to me. Wow. He said, otherwise I can't get away with it. Well, scripture says that if you're, if you're in, if you're in contempt with somebody, you're to leave your offering at the altar and go and make peace with them. Right. Otherwise you have an unacceptable offering. Mm -hmm. So he was at that place. Yeah. But the bad, you know, the, the whole thing, uh, you know, it, it comes from, you know, making sure you're not alive to the flesh as much as you are alive to God. Yeah. And, you know, I express to people very r repeatedly, I say, you can't tempt a dead person. Sin cannot tempt a dead person. And that's why it's so adamant that people understand that. Because when you get baptized, you're joining covenant with God. You're joining covenant, contract with him. And he did a blood covenant for humanity to join. And he puts down the conditions of it. And if you don't like them, you don't have to join the covenant. Hmm. But if you're going to join it, it's like signing your name on a contract to buy a house, a car, a boat. I don't care what it is. And then there's always fine print that if you don't meet these stipulations, you're in breach of contract. People don't read the contract, the Bible, and find out the details of it. And then they try to take that contract and join it. And they're in violation of it. And then things don't work. You know, if people are not taught exactly what the Bible says about what they're doing when they get baptized, they may as well go, go home and just take a bath. Because they can't enter into that covenant without being obedient. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We are so blessed to have the privilege to share with you. If you haven't already, please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us by searching at The Real King Podcast. That's at T-H-E Real King Podcast. The Real King Podcast is recorded in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It is hosted by Joe and Heidi King, who are joined each week by Christina Santamaria as a moderator and contributor. It is produced and edited by Joe and Heidi King and Carlos and Christina Santamaria. All content is under copyright and all rights are reserved.